Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Some tune, by the way. Um, Pastor go Mike, on. Uh, oh, I, well, no, no, I go could. On. <laughs> I could. Love you. So, is it my turn now? Okay. Um, well, we got a couple things. Um, we're gonna pray. We should always pray. You wanna, you wanna condition and position your heart to receive from God. Don't go to church out of religious obligation, but go to church expecting to be better when you leave than when you got here. Amen? So we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to pray for Annette, who is traveling um, for the graduation of Lexi, one of our very own. Uh, she, she's in the Air Force. She's about to graduate, um, her whatever this part was. But uh, she had some real challenges. But she wrote us a letter, and she says, I know and I can feel the prayers of my church family strengthening me and helping me to get through this time and she had to go through part of her basic training on crutches and stuff so i mean she's had some real challenges but she she wants to thank every one of you for your prayers and your support while she's out there um we've got a few of our young people that are serving in the military and we want to pray for them on a regular basis especially now more than ever um i saw that 900 of our troops just were sent over uh, and the devil's trying to pull us into a world war here, but uh, let's just believe that, that we don't have to do that. Our, our service people are protected, and God brings a resolution honoring his promise to the children of Israel, but also blessing the, the people of, of the Palestinians and giving them a place where they can feel like they have, they have meaning. And when they do that, I think we can eradicate all the hate uh, because most Palestinians don't feel the way Hamas does, uh, where every Israelite has to be, or every Jewish person has to be exterminated. They, they just want to live peacefully. And I believe that God's going to put the right people in the right place to see that done. And that's where my prayer is for that. Amen? Third thing we're going to pray for is John Friend, who's been coming to our church for decades. Uh, him and his wife, Sandy. Sandy's mom passed away. Um, day before yesterday and um they're they're feeling the the pain of that they know she's in heaven they have peace knowing that but it still hurts when someone you love transitions from this life to the next so we're going to pray for them also amen and if you have their number and stuff it might be nice to reach out to them and tell them you're praying for them you're thinking of them because one thing that comforts when you're going through a very difficult time is knowing there's people praying for you Knowing, knowing that you're on somebody else's mind and you're not going through it alone. Yeah. Amen? So let's go before the Father. Let's just put our, our, our faith out there and expect to see big things here, okay? Father, first of all, we thank you for you showing up in our service. We only come to receive from you. Father, we thank you that wherever two or three gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. So welcome to Faith Family Church this morning, Father. We right now just lift up the situation in the Middle East. 
I, I couldn't imagine knowing what to do in that situation. But Father, you have people that you can anoint, that you can give them creative ideas on how to get this thing worked out so the least amount of lives would be lost. People would be honored. People would be respected. And, and evil would be stomped. Um, we ask this. We believe we receive it. And I, just, I cast that care on you because you're, you know. You know what to do. Our faith is in you ministering to the people who need to hear to work that out. We pray for Annette for safe travel as she goes to celebrate, as we celebrate one of our own, Lexi graduating and getting ready for the next phase of her, her journey in the Air Force. We just thank you for safe travel for, for them. And we ask right now that, Father, you would just bring comfort to John and Sandy and their family. Um, Holy Spirit, you are the comforter, the Bible says. So we just trust that you'll do your work there to bring peace and comfort in a time of loss. And, Father, thank you for allowing us, your hands and feet, your church, to represent you in pouring out the love for John and Sandy as they go through this. We just declare we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. And we are better when we leave than when we got here. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. So, Pastor Don took a lot of my time. So, we're going to go ahead and start our seri- our, continue with our series. Our series are, are, is on the benefit of tithing. And... You know, I, I was reluctant. I shared this at the beginning of the series. I was reluctant to teach on it um, for many reasons. But um, I, want, I want to say thank you because you as a church have been so encouraging. And, and you've blessed me by telling me that the teachings have blessed you. And, you know, we've said it every time. We're not doing this to talk you into tithing. We're not doing this to guilt you into tithing. Tithing isn't for everyone. You, you have to reach a certain level in your spiritual walk to where you actually trust God and you'll, you'll count on him and you'll trust him with your tithes and with your offering. And um, it's actually his tithe. We've already covered that. But, you know, trusting him where the, the main reason that most people don't give, the main reason across the board, and guys, just hear me out. Church universally, less, less than 15% Actually, I heard it was much less, but I didn't believe it. So I'm just going to say 15% of the church actually tithes. It's God's plan for us to, as his children, do things his way. So if you don't tithe at this point, I'm asking you to consider what you're hearing. And understand God's not trying to get your money. He's trying to bless your life. It, it, it's, it's the way that he wants to do it. Now, you're blessed in a lot of other ways, and we're blessed because of what Jesus Christ did, not just because we do things, but there's, there's a certain blessing that comes with partnering with God in, in his plan for your finances and for the work of the church universally. So if you're not a tither, just, just no pressure, no pressure at all, but just ask God, hey, is this for me? And then Listen. Don't just tune me out. And some people do because they they get uncomfortable and they get, some people get offended when a pastor talks about tithing. You know, Jesus talked more about money in the Bible than he did heaven and hell. It, It shouldn't be something that causes us to be offended. Just be open. Don't, don't take an offense because that's the devil working up your flesh to get you to resist and not to have ears to hear. Just give God a chance to show you. Amen? So don't think we're doing it out of trying to pressure you or anything like that. We're trying to inform you 
so that you can make an informed decision what you want to do. That's pretty much it. Now, normally we start with our text scripture for the series in Malachi chapter 3, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, for the sake of time today, I'm going to go with Genesis chapter 14, because when we left off last week, we started looking into and seeing the story of Abraham. Now, remember, Abraham was, he's called the father of faith. He's the father of all the Jews. His sons were the 12 tribes of Israel. But the Bible also says he's our father of faith, that if you're Christ, if you're born again, if you're a Christ follower, then you're heirs, as in inheritance, you're heirs to the promises of Abraham. So this covers for, this is for Jews and for born again believers. There's really only three races on the earth that God sees. He sees Jew, Gentile, born again believers, his church. Gentiles are people who aren't Jews. He doesn't see, oh, are you French, oh, are you Canadian, or oh, are you Indian? No, he doesn't see that. When he looks at the earth today, he sees, now he knows, he made you, he knows where you're from and everything, he did that with a plan. But he looks at us through the scope of, are you, are you a Jew? Are you a Gentile? Are you a born-again believer, a child of mine through the new covenant? And what we see in the word is that God has made provision all the way through, and we've kind of knocked over some, some religious myths, and we'll probably do a couple drive-bys today and shoot them as we go by and knock them over, because there's a lot of misinformation. Boy, what a big word nowadays, misinformation. You hear, if you turn on the news, you hear it everywhere, misinformation. Did you hear about the misinformation? Hey, there's misinformation. Misinformation's been going on for thousands of years, ever since the devil said in the garden that you'll be like God if you eat this fruit, you know? So misinformation is nothing new. But we're going to look into the story of Abraham and how he, being the, a child of God, someone who the Bible says even though he was born 2,000 years before Jesus, the Bible says it was accounted for him unto righteousness because he looked towards the Savior being born. He knew that Jesus was going to be born and he was going to pay the price and he was going to be the Savior, and he believed in him 2,000 years before he was born. And God says because he did that, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. We look back at Jesus' birth and look at what was done. He looked forward and said, I, I, that's, that's my God. And he believed it. So he's called the father of faith. The first mention in the Bible of tithing is in the story of Abraham. And Genesis, we also have the first example of the bread and wine in this story that we look at, which represents as a type and shadow of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which we celebrate with communion. You guys with me? Okay. So tell, say this with me. Today, I'm going to learn something. God's going to show me more than I knew. Thank you, Father, for my revelation. All right. So now Genesis 14. Verse 16, you ready? New King James Version. So he brought back, now this is Abraham. Now what had happened was, these four kings came and attacked these five kings and their kingdoms, and they brought their armies, and, and they, they whooped them, and they took their people, and they took their gold, and they took their livestock, everything of value they took. Abraham's out there minding his own business, but he heard that his nephew Lot was taken by these four kings. And, and Abraham's like, no, no, you, you, you don't do that to God's children. So Abraham went to, this blows me away. How many of you ever seen the movie 300? 
you know, anyway, there's some bad parts in it. Don't see it. But if you have seen it, it's kind of this unbelievable story of what 300 men could do against these, this vast army. This is a real-life story like that. Abraham and his 300 servants. We're talking about the guys who, who took care of the horses and, and cleaned the house and the women who baked the bread. You know, I doubt that the women went be honest with you in that culture. But anyway, 318 servants. And Abraham said, hey, here. He, he gave them weapons. He said, we're going to go get Lot back. I don't know about you, but when I hear a man and his servants went and fought four armies that already defeated five armies from five different kingdoms, I think this dude's impressive. You know, this guy, you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of this guy walking down an alley, right? I mean, he must be a pretty tough dude. But he goes with his 318 servants. He goes to battle with those four kings. He defeats them. It's called in the Bible the slaughter. I mean, that's how bad he beats them. He comes back, and the first thing he does is he chooses to honor God. He's acknowledging that God's hand was on him. And, Annette, are you here? I thought you were traveling today. Tomorrow. Oh, today. Okay. I'm sitting there thinking, what's going on? My prayer was for safe traveling. She just materialized over there. Whoa. Anyway, let's not lose track. Let's not lose track. This is important stuff. So he goes and, and he fights these four guys and their armies. He defeats them. He comes back. Get back to where I was. The first thing he wants to do is to honor God because he knew that it was a blessing of God that he was able to do that. You ever done something, now I'm not going to get overly spiritual with you, but you ever do something and honestly on the inside, you know that that was above me. I couldn't do that without God. I mean, you ever had God show up like that where all of a sudden it's just like, whoa, and you got to take a second to go, you know, thank you, God. Abraham was coming to worship God. I want you to see what's involved in worship. He comes with a tenth. This is the first time, and, and we're going to look over the next couple weeks. Why is it a tenth? Why did he bring a tenth? Tithe means tenth. Why, why, why didn't he bring 5%? Why didn't he just be selfish and bring him 2%? Or why didn't he, like, really honor God with 25%? Do you ever wonder? You guys don't? I do. Every time I read things like this in the Bible and it says he brought a tenth, I'm like, why? That's just my personality, though. Why? Why? Why did he do that? And we're going to look at why he did that. It's going to surprise you. I think it will really set some of you free in the tithing. But um, here he is. He shows up with all of the spoils from the battles. He's got all, not only all the stuff that those armies stole from the five armies, but he's got their stuff too. And he shows up with all of this stuff. And the first thing he wants to do is to go and honor and worship God. And we're going to pick up there, okay? You with me? So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother, which is his nephew Lot, and his goods, as well as the women and the people. I wonder why he said women and people. Like, what's the difference there? Women and people. But anyway, um, and the king of Sodom. Now, this is a type and shadow. This is a representative of, of Satan, of the devil. And, you know, if you know the story of the, the, the kingdom of Sodom, it was a very evil, very dark place. 
But the king of Sodom comes out to meet him at the valley of Shavah. That is the king's valley. After his return from the defeat of Shedrolamar, you know, that guy and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem. Now this is, and I've told you this before, but I'm even going to show you why I believe it. Some people don't believe it, and that's okay. I, I, it's not worth arguing over. But I believe this is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. I believe Melchizedek is Jesus Christ appearing before he was born as Jesus Christ, representing God and God's kingdom. Okay? And, I, and you'll see why as we go on. Melchizedek, king of Salem which means peace, brought out, now look what he did, he brought out bread and wine. And, and, and he was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, now here's one of the problems people get to. Whenever we start talking about, you know, tithing and, and blessings from God, and we use words like prosperity, people get all under, oh, wait, 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 you're not one of those prosperity preachers, are you? No, I'm a word preacher. Now, I do agree with you that that has been abused, and there are people who have taken it too far. But you ever heard the saying, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater? Don't change the truth of God's word because somebody has misused it somewhere else. Take it for what it is and receive from God what he wants you to receive. Amen? Now, when he says, and he blessed him, that word blessed, if you look it up in your, and I, in my Bible study, I'm really pushing this, but if you're a born-again believer, you should, it should be required for you to have a Vines complete, ex, um, complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words. It's a dictionary. When you read a word in, in the English vernacular, you don't always know what it really means. This goes back to the original language. This is a Strong's Concordance. I, I do so much with these because I want to understand. I don't want to out of religion just read what the Bible says and have no understanding. Because when I do that, I can be duped into believing a lie. Remember the Bible said last series, it says, in all you get, get understanding. The way that you get understanding is, is getting yourself a Bible dictionary for New and Old Testament words and a Strong's Concordance. That's the very basics. I have bookshelves full of books that help me to study and to to, to delve into what the Bible's saying. Everybody should do this. This is not just the preacher's job. This is every believer should, should understand and get in and know what the Word's saying. So when somebody preaches something wrong, I'm talking about what I preach. You need to check it. And if you find something different, you come to me. And we'll talk about it. If I'm wrong, I'll admit it. Because my goal is that you grow and learn in the things of God, not in the things of Mike. Amen? So you've got to know what's being said. When he said, and he blessed him, that actually means empowered him to prosper. Blessed, the word means prosper. So it doesn't mean that you're a fat cat and you're spoiled and you're spending all this money on yourself. It means that you're the blessings of Abraham. You're blessed, empowered to prosper, to be a blessing. In Deuteronomy 28, the Bible says that, and don't forget that it's God who gives you the power to get wealth. He wants you to have wealth. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be a millionaire. It means you'll have enough for you and some left over for what he tells you to do with it. That's wealth. You understand what I'm saying? 
And a lot of people get hung up and they say, oh, I don't want to hear about that health and, 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 and wealth, prosperity, you know, message and stuff like that. Can I jump in your, in your, I'll just, I will anyway. Anyway, most of the people say they're hypocrites. If I ask them, do you want your child to be healthy? Yes. Do you want them to be sick and weak and struggle through life? They're going to say no. Are you better than God? God wants his children, 3 John 2, he wants you to be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. That's what God says in his word. Let's get the hypocrisy out of there because we've identified with somebody who misused it or somebody who mistaught it. And let's find out what God really wants for us. Amen? You with me? So, so many people are leaving stuff on the table that God's provided for them because they think it's a dirty thing or a bad thing. Do you know why most marriages are in trouble today? Because of sex. Do you know why there's so much trouble with sex in marriages? Because nobody understands how God wants us to use that as a way to bring us together and strengthen us. It's been taught as something dirty. They tell our kids, oh, don't talk about sex, that's dirty, that's dirty. Well, then they go and get married, and the, the wife is like, I don't want to do it, it's dirty. I'm serious, guys. I, I counsel with people. I've been doing it for a quarter of a century. And one of the biggest problems is marriage is because they don't know how to come together. They don't know how to cleave and come together and be the one that God created them to be. Because misteaching, because of lies, because of people's own personal doctrine instead of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. It's time we got rid of the lies and we said, I want what God has for me. And you do that by getting into his word and understanding it. You ready? Let's go. Blessed be Abraham. Blessed. You're empowered to prosper. This is what Melchizedek, the high priest of God, is saying to him. God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing, not so we can be self-indulgent and have five homes instead of four. Or, you know, most people say, oh, I just want what I need. That's a bunch of malarkey. You only need a cardboard box and a loaf of bread and a bottle of water. You don't need a house. You don't need a good retirement plan. You don't need money in the bank. That, according to your own st statements, what you're saying is that's wrong, then you're wrong. But we want our children to do better than we do, right? Let me tell you something. Both of my kids are blessed. They're very blessed. And I'm not just talking about in money. I'm talking about in life. I believe it's because Donna and I tithed and we put God first. Now that blessing, the Bible says, remember we learned it last week, where when Abraham gave to Melchizedek, it says that Levi also gave because Levi was his great-grandson in his loins still. He wasn't even born yet, but because of Abraham putting God first, it caused the blessing to come on Levi. And well, how do we bless our kids? We do what the Bible says to do. We show them what the Bible says to do, and we do what the Bible says to do, and God will show up. Amen? Yeah. Get a little worked up here. I'm getting off course. <laughs> blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And it says to Abraham, and he gave a tithe of all. Now, I want you to remember, we're going to get back to this. Melchizedek brought wine and bread. Abraham brought the tithe. In an act of worship, both had their hands full. Wine and bread for the, for the high priest, the worshiper, 
coming to honor God, had his hands full. He had something in his hands to honor God. Do you guys see that? I'm not making it up. It's in there, right? All right, let's go on. Then Sodom showed up and said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. Sodom is a type and shadow of the devil. Notice the devil's not worried about the financial stuff. Why? Because his main agenda is to take as many souls as he can. He just wanted the people. He didn't care about the money and stuff. He just wanted the people. And what did Abraham say? Abraham knew. Right, but Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hands to the Lord, God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a, from a thread to a sandal strap, and that I will not take anything that is yours. He's talking to the king of Sodom, the represent, representation of, of evil. I'm not going to take anything from you. Remember what we learned about loving the world and going for the world's goods before we go for God? And it's a trap. It's a trap. No, I'm good. Thank you. Um, so, and I won't take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. Abraham was very protective about who got credit for the blessings in his life. And he lived his life that way. As soon as he fought the battle, him and his servants came back. What they do? They brought a tithe to God to honor God and for God to get the credit for the blessings in his life. We're declaring that God is active in our life when we bring the tithe. We're declaring that God's moving, God's alive, God's a value of mine, and he's actually doing it because we're doing this in faith. And we bring a tenth of what he's already blessed us with. You bring a tenth of what you've already received, your increase, to acknowledge that God was in it. Make sense? Okay, we got to go, guys. Jeez. So, and, and you know, here's the thing. When we look at the bread and the wine that Melchizedek said, or brought, and we look at the tithe that Abraham brought, and, and, and you, you know, what does the, the wine and the bread, what does that represent? Anybody? Communion, exactly. It's, it, is, it is representation of the body, the broken body, and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. This is why Abraham believed 2,000 years before Jesus went to the cross he believed in him. He saw it in the writings. He saw it when, it, when Melchizedek showed up. This is, this, is a, this is an example. And he received that. What does, what does communion, what does it provide for us? You know, what does it represent for the born-again believers in today? What does it provide for us? The Bible tells us to keep doing it, right? Do we, do we take communion? Yes, we do. We practice communion in the church. Why? It represents health for the believers. Because the Bible says, remember in Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, he said, because you don't rightly discern the body of Christ, many are sick and weak and sleep prematurely or sleep before their time. The word sleep there means they die. So what this does is this represents health and long life. That's what the, the communion does. And the Bible says we're to do it until he comes back declaring his death. Jesus died for us, right? Okay, so now the tithe. This is the first time it's in, introduced into the Bible. What does it mean? Why he, he shows up with, he's showing that he's acknowledging that God is God in his life. Some of us forget that. God's just kind of a slogan for us. Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you know God? Not know about God, but do you know God? Because if you know about him, you're not going to trust him the way you do when you know him. See, there's people that you think you know, 
from a distance, kind of what other people say about him and what you can observe from a distance. But then once you get into an intimate relationship with them and you, you see all sides of them, now all of a sudden you don't know about them. You know them. You know their motives. You know their heart. You know whether you can trust them or not, right? You know, so many people think they know celebrities. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, because they follow. How many people think they know Taylor Swift? You don't know Taylor Swift. You know what she lets you know. And she's very good at what she does. I mean, she's, she's incredible at what she does. But until you sit with her and you travel with her and you talk with her and you spend time with her, you don't know her. Right? This is about getting to know God. Communion represents, and, we, and what Abraham did was he knew that God loved him so much that he was going to give his very best. So what did Abraham do? He brought his best. And he brought a tenth of the best, his first fruits. We talked about that a week ago, right? So now let's go on. Here we are today. We're under the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, right? Right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> we are. We're talking about it for a couple weeks now. Are we still under the Levitical priesthood where we, we bring an offering and if, if we do good, we get blessed, and if we do bad, we get cursed? No, no, we're not. We're not. That, that was done away with. We're now under the order. We, we're a royal priesthood, the Bible says, after the order of Melchizedek, which is what it says about Jesus. He's the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, okay? So now let's keep going. And, and, we realize, and I'm not talking about salvation. You don't have to bring something to God to get saved. You know, the, the old song, nothing in my hands I bring, but to your, cloth, your cross I cling. You know, to get saved, it's nothing on your part. You don't buy it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You come and receive a free gift. But once you're saved, once you're born again, now you acknowledge and honor God with what you have. The first. You guys with me? Some of you don't look like you're with me. Come on now. I've only got two minutes to keep this going. Here's why it is, guys. How many of you remember the story in the Bible of the, the, Jesus is watching people bring their, their tithes and offerings, and he's standing back, and the Bible indicates and says there's rich people putting money in there. So you know, that would make you think there's a lot of money. But then this widow comes, and she drops in two mites, which really nowadays would be a penny or less. And Jesus is watching, and she walks up and she drops it in. And Jesus uses this as a time for us to learn something. He calls his disciple over. And he says, hey, come here, come here, come here. You see that widow? Now those guys with the fancy clothes and the nice watches and the nice cars, they drop money in. But you see that widow over there? She gave more than them all. Well, how could it be more than them all? Because Jesus doesn't look at what you give. Jesus takes notice of what you hold back. The widow gave everything she had. The rich people were just dropping tokens of their wealth in there. And what God is trying to show us is that it's a hard thing, and Jesus watches, and he knows your heart. That's why the Bible says, where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Does that make sense? You guys with me? All right. So, I don't have time to go on, so let's just do this. I want to sh- do a drive-by on another myth that people preach, um, and then we'll stop. But I got so much, I tell you, I woke up today so excited about sharing this, so exhilarated, and before I was like, oh, God, I don't want to share this. But 
you guys are getting it. So I, I just, I can't, I'm excited about it. And, there, you know, I was going to end it last week. And then I said, well, I'll just do one more week. And then I was so excited. I told Chris yesterday, I said, yeah, I'm just going to end it. And Chris goes, Dad, why would you end it? Basically, he called me on the carpet. Is God telling you to end it? I thought, hate it when you teach him more than, you, you know, when you teach him. <laughs> so we're going to go on for a couple more weeks. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. But so many people, and i gotta, I got to close, but so many people teach that, and, and this is just one of those excuses, and what I want you to hear is you don't have to have an excuse not to tithe. Just don't do it. No pressure. We don't look down on you. We don't sneer at you. We don't say, oh, there they are. No. We know because all of us have been there at one time in our spiritual walk where we just weren't, we weren't in a place where we said, yeah, I can do this. They say that, well, Jesus never taught on tithing. I remember we, we looked how people say, well, that was under the law, but we looked here in Genesis, it was before the law, 400 and something years before the law. Then they say, well, yeah, but that was, that was the Old Testament. Well, Jesus taught it in the New Testament. And now it was still Old Testament because he was still alive, but he was teaching principles for us to adhere to and for us to grab a hold of. Because when you understand tithing, it's not an extraction. It's not something you have to do under the law. It's something you get to do under the freedom of the grace of God. You get to do it. So now Luke chapter 11, verse 42, and I'm closing with this scripture, I promise. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? And what he's doing, he's basically calling out these hypocrites that act super spiritual, but their heart's really not in it. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Watch what he says. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb and gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. They thought it was through the religious action of tithing. I do it because I, I owe God. I got I to gotta pay God his due. He said, guys, your heart has to be in it. Remember we talked about God loves a cheerful giver? If your heart's not in it, don't do it because it's not going to do you any good. It's, it's when your heart is in it. And look what he says to him. He says, you're careful to tithe, to religiously keep up even the tiniest income of your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. Look what he says. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Presenting the love of God and, and, and being an example of God's love to the community is, is more important than being religious. Say, oh, I showed up at church on Sunday. I dropped in my check on Sunday. But you treat everybody like garbage, and, and you're, you're not showing the love of God to anyone. You've missed the whole thing. It's a combination. Why do we tithe? Because our heart's in it. Because we trust God. Because we see that it's, will, it's his will to bless us. And that's his avenue for that to happen in finances. We're blessed in other ways. I'm not saying you're not blessed. But what I'm saying is God wants to give you an extra blessing and allow him to partner with you in your finances so you partner with him in reaching the world. That's what it's about. It's, it's a two-way partnership. Amen? And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, don't, don't just focus on the religious duties you, there's some things we should do, but focus on the love of God and let people see it flow from you. What good does it do to give a tenth of your income if you're a sourpuss and you're mean to people and, you, and nobody even knows you know Jesus because of the way you act? You know, you're missing the point. Amen? So we got a lot more we're going to talk about um, next time. Uh, but we're going to take stop early, or not early, stop on time today. 
so that we can go into the courtyard and we can have our Cokes and ice cream. And uh, it's just a time to bless and uh, to thank you guys and tell you how much we love you. Amen? Amen. So we're going to close. Everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I hope you're getting something out of this series. It, 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 it is truth that will change your life if you let them. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for revelation knowledge so much more than I'm able to say. Father, you've pierced their hearts and you dropped those seeds of revelation and let them see the truth of your word and what you have for them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as, as we're, just, we're preparing to continue our worship by bringing our tithes and offering to you. And we want to do what Abraham did. We want to acknowledge you in our lives. And we want to say, this is yours. Thank you. And here's an offering because we're so blessed by you. We want to, we want to honor you for everything that you have done and are doing and will do in our lives. Father, basically what we're saying is that we want you to be high and lifted up in our lives. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, you've never said... I want to be a Christian for whatever reason, but today you might be saying, hey, there's something to this. Maybe maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart saying, is it time for me to come in? And you have a decision to make right now. Are you going to open your life up to, to God through Jesus Christ coming and making his abode in you? It's up to you. We're not going to call you down and embarrass you, but we're certainly going to invite you and the Apostle Paul said that he beseeches you, I say, I'm begging you to consider Jesus. To open your life up and let him come into your life and be Lord of your life and see what he can do and see what you can do with him in your life that will bring glory to God and blessing to you and your family. It's such a win-win. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, preacher, I, I want that. You're talking to me today. Would you raise your hand? Anybody look at a cross? Did somebody raise their hand? I thought you signaled. Okay, nobody raise your hand. All right, so let's just say this together. Father, thank you for your word. As we present our tithes and our offerings, we are declaring that you're alive and you're active in our lives. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.